Today's episode is one of the most important, I think, in the whole series. Mm -hmm. Jesus will define who you are and how you should live as a Christian. So this is this is a very important one. Uh, Absolutely. I guess we could put it this way. If you were to take away my Bible, heaven forbid, mm-hmm. and if you said I could only keep 17 verses for the rest of my life, uh, what verses would I pick? I, I think definitely John 3.16, yeah. which we covered in podcast eight, because that says how to become a Christian. Exactly. And that's of vital importance, because who cares about how you live if you don't know how to become a Christian? Right. And the second would be today's scripture, mm. Matthew 5, 1 through 16, because it tells me how to live as a mm. Christian, mm-hmm. which is of vital importance. Now, before we get into the text, um, I think it's important for us to understand Jesus's formula he will use on the Sermon in the Mount, on the Mount. Uh, first, he'll explain your identity as someone who lives in his spiritual kingdom, mm-hmm. that is being poor in spirit, humble, so forth. And then he will explain the future reward you will have in the physical kingdom. Mm. The kingdom will belong to you and you will inherit the earth and so forth. So Mm. a lot of good stuff that we'll be seeing today. Uh, This is Podcast 21 in the Jesus Said That series, looking at every word Jesus spoke in the New Testament. Today's episode is titled The Sermon on the Mount, The Beatitudes, Salts, and Lights, and is taken from Matthew 5, 1 through 16. I'm Pastor Kenny Bird Jr., Associate Pastor at Comer Rainer Bible Church, creator of Theology for Everyday Life for Kids, and I'm also joined by my father, uh, Dr. Ken Burge Sr., Senior Pastor at Comer Rainer Bible Church, uh, writer of the FIRE series, uh, graduate of Dallas Theological Seminary, and so forth. All right. Uh, anything you want to add before we uh, jump into this text here? Uh, it's a great text. It's part of the Sermon on the Mount. Uh, Matthew 5 through 7, it was, I believe it was Haddon Robinson who said he went to study the sermon and the sermon studied him. And uh, I know we both feel that way as you enter in here because these principles are are timeless and so essential. And I know each one will be blessed as they walk through this process with us. And there can be a tiny bit confusing if you don't understand. I've heard many teachers, preachers say this doesn't apply to us today. So... uh, I want to clarify something before we jump into mm-hmm. this sermon, at least the first part of the sermon. And that's what the kingdom of God is, mm. also known as the kingdom of heaven. Mm-hmm. Um, there's two aspects to the kingdom. I made a four-minute theology video for this, which I'll attach at the bottom for those who are on YouTube. And uh, there's the spiritual kingdom of God and the physical kingdom of God. So the spiritual kingdom of God is a kingdom all believers are living in right now. As a Christian, I live this in this. I can't touch it. Um, I can't feel it. Uh, that's why it's spiritual. Uh, Jesus' Sermon on the Mount describes believers who belong to this kingdom. Hmm. Those who live in the spiritual kingdom are defined as poor in spirit, humble, merciful, persecuted for righteousness sake, pure in heart. They love their enemies, mm-hmm. etc. Jesus taught his followers these timeless kingdom principles. And I think that's the key word, timeless, because they're showing believers of all ages how they should live. For the spiritual kingdom of God is everlasting. Hmm. Um, This kingdom is opposed to the temporary satanic kingdom of this world, which revolves around lust and pride. Mm -hmm. So that's the spiritual kingdom. We're living in that. There is also... The physical kingdom of God, which we are not living in. (laughs) Make that clear. 
Uh, this is the literal kingdom in which Jesus will rule and reign as king that will be set up on this earth. There will be a capital city, government, and all the normal entities you would find in any just kingdom. Uh, the Bible also says that this future physical kingdom will be established after Jesus puts down his foes at Armageddon. And that's when we see the verse, the government will be upon his shoulders, and those in his kingdom will call him Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace, and he will reign on David's throne. So hopefully that will clear up a lot of confusion with this text as we talk about the kingdom. Look at both the spiritual aspect and also the physical aspect. It's um, intriguing to think about both aspects, and you've covered it very well. When Jesus spoke with Nicodemus, he spoke about entrance to the mm -hmm. kingdom and then by being born again. Uh, so there is an, an entrance into the, into the spiritual kingdom. Paul would call it the kingdom of the son of his love in Colossians 1.13. But our context picks up also the physical aspect yeah. in Matthew 4, 17, repent for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's uh, important to understand both aspects, but there is that present application. We were talking mm -hmm. about this earlier in Matthew 5, 3, blessed are the poor in spirit for theirs is, yes. present tense mm -hmm. verb, for you right now. You know, uh, there, there's a blessing that goes to you right now for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Mm -hmm. And I think that's important as well. So great introduction. I, I think that's so important to lay this out as you just have done. And Jesus will even say later, you know, his kingdom is not of this world. And that's why his disciples aren't fighting, right. which points to the spiritual. He says, he even says it's not something yeah. that you can touch. But then later in Revelation, we hear clearly about the physical kingdom and also Jesus is uh, he has other sermons where he touches on those, the Olivet Discourse and so forth. Absolutely. So hopefully this clears up a lot of confusion. Yeah. Um, Jesus defines how we should live on earth in the spiritual kingdom and the future rewards we can look to in his physical kingdom. Amen. So I know that's a long, long intro, a couple minutes, but um, I think that will help clear up the rest of the sermon as Absolutely. we go, because we don't want it to be confusing. <laughs> right. That's right. So let's, let's just jump to it. Um, Matthew 5, if, you're with, if you have your Bible and you're joining us, we'll start in verse 1. When he saw the crowds, he went up on the mountain, and after he sat down, his disciples came to him. So this is after Jesus calls Simon, Andrew, James, and John. He sees the crowds and walks up on the mountain to teach them. Uh, the hill is filled with his disciples prepared to hear him speak. Remember, no apostles at this time. That's right. Disciples. Now, I believe this Sermon on the Mount is different from the Sermon on the Plain. Mm -hmm. I think there's a difference when we look at the chronological order. Mm -hmm. I also think there's a difference when you look at his sermon content. He probably used, like any uh, speaker, a lot of the same material. Mm -hmm. um, sure. I doubt he created a new sermon everywhere he went. So uh, there obviously is parts of this sermon we see on the Sermon on the Plain. Mm -hmm. So I, I disagree with a lot of commentators who say this is the Sermon on the Plain. Um, and I think it happens much earlier. I think the Sermon on the Plain is when he has all his apostles. Because look at this. Jesus is near Gennesaret. That's what we find in our former podcast. Mm -hmm. Pardon me. And which is located about three miles away from Capernaum. Large crowds are following him. So he asked Simon to use his boat to teach from. After the sermon, Jesus asked Simon to fish. Simon obeys and catches many fish. We learned about that. 
uh, Jesus gives Simon his third call to follow him. Simon leaves everything, including his old identity as the fisherman. Mm -hmm. Then Jesus returns to the shore and sees the large crowd. So right now he has Nathaniel, he has Philip, James, John, Andrew, and Peter, and this large crowd of other disciples, uh, uh, probably people seeking, searching, people wanting miracles. He walks up the mountain, which is located between Capernaum and Gennesaret, so Mm -hmm. perfect location, and starts to teach his followers what their new identity as disciples look at in the kingdom. Mm -hmm. So I think that chronological order just lines up really well. So um, that's from my studies what I believe it is. So when he saw the crowds, after he talked to Peter, he went up on the mountain and he sat down and his disciples came to him. Then he began to teach them saying, blessed are the poor in spirit for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So I want to make this podcast very personal Hmm. in the sense that those who are listening, if you are a Christian, this is aimed at you. (laughs) Yeah. All right. So your kingdom identity, number one, you are poor in spirit. Uh, You recognize you are broken and you depend on God. You're not self-righteous or depend on your own works. You understand that you're a broken vessel that needs the Lord. I mean, that's why we pray. That's why we go to him. And the blessing is, the future blessing is, the kingdom of heaven belongs to you. So if you're part of this group, um, the kingdom of heaven, it's yours, the kingdom. That's an incredible thought. Any uh, comments on that before we move yeah, to the next beautiful, one? Yes, um, it's, it's a beautiful flow here. We have up on a mountain. At, parallel in my mind was Moses giving the law. And what did the people do? They quaked below. <laughs> Whenever God's word is elevated, it does what it accomplishes here in verse three. It makes you poor in spirit. You become a beggar. To, to cower is the idea of the term here for poor. And when God's word is lifted up, we're brought low. Yeah. And the progression throughout uh, this section is amazing to me. I actually uh, took a section that's just in, and memorized it yeah. because it was so important. Uh, Jesus's progression because you go from the poor in spirit to what you mourn and and it, there is a, a logical uh, sequence that takes place here but I just love the idea of brokenness from an elevated yeah. word when yeah. Isaiah saw the Lord high and lifted up he went down <laughs> yeah so poor in spirit but the kingdom is theirs yeah so that's something you get to look forward to absolutely what else is your identity verse four blessed are those who mourn for they will be comforted. Mm. So your identity here on earth in the spiritual kingdom is you mourn. I believe this is pointing towards you mourn over sin. You realize the pain of your own sin and the sin of others in this fallen world, and you're broken over it. You are like Jesus who grieved over the sin of the world. So it can be you look at yourself, you realize you're broken. It's also, I'm just broken over all the pain I see. Mm. Your future blessing is you will be comforted. Um, in the kingdom of God, you will no longer cry or mourn. Mm-hmm. You will not struggle with sin. Mm-hmm. You will be comforted. Now, just to clarify, not with not getting too technical, but that's all of us who are raptured up. Yeah. <laughs> that applies. There will be pain and some suffering in the kingdom for those who go against God's rule. Um, but this is applying to us who are his followers. So look forward to that. We mourn now, but in the future, we will not mourn. Right. And then ultimately, 
in the New Jerusalem um, at the end of time, a time as we know it, mm-hmm. um, Jesus, God will wipe away all our tears and so Amen. forth. So maybe that's a little kind of sneak peek at that. Mm-hmm. Jesus goes on to say, blessed are the humble, for they will inherit the earth. Uh, your kingdom identity number three, when people look at you, they should see that you are humble. Mm-hmm. Now, the idea of humble is you, you control yourself and have power over your feelings and emotions. That's right. You do not lash out, you restrain yourself. So it's the idea that, you know, not that you're Superman who controls everything, but you can at least control yourself. You're, you're humble. Um, your blessing is you will inherit the earth. Mm. And that's literal. Uh, you will literally inherit the earth and will rule with Jesus in his future kingdom. Amen. So uh, the progression again, God's word is elevated. What does it do? It breaks you. You're poor in spirit. When you're poor in spirit, what do you do? You mourn your sin and then you can see the sin of others well. And then right after that, it produces this power under control, mm-hmm. this humility. But those humble ones one day inherit the earth. Uh, so what a great treasure for those that are that are humble. And it's the whole idea of the upside down kingdom, first, last, so forth. It's everything. Absolutely. You're humble, you'll be great. I want to point out too, so often you and I have heard yeah. about the humble people and they're born that way. <laughs> He's not speaking here of a, a genetic characteristic. <laughs> it's the Galatians 5.23 that the fruit of the spirit is meekness or mm. being humble. Yeah. And, and that's important to point out that this is a spiritual aspect of somebody who's maturing in the faith. Yeah. And I mean, Jesus is the ultimate example of that because even on earth, I mean, he had power to do what he wanted to do, right. but yet he submitted to the father. Um, when sinners would come to him, he could have just judged them straight on the spot. I think of the woman caught in adultery. Mm-hmm. He had every right to say, yeah, let's stone her. That's right. <laughs> she broke right. the law. She. He knew her sin, mm. yet he was humble, and mm-hmm. then he chose to forgive. So, um, but yeah, so we need to be humble, mm. and humbleness is so much more than just a little meek attitude. Right. And I get I get annoyed by people who try to talk with little soft boys and yeah. you know try to act like they're all meek and mild. It's really about I think of Moses, a man who could kill someone with his bare hands, but who was humble. So. Um, then we go to verse six, mm. blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness for they will be filled. Mm. How relevant is that today? That's right. uh, I think we really thirst for that, especially right. as in America, we see mm-hmm. politics, we see all that's going around. We have injustice, immorality, mm-hmm. uh, so much stuff is pushed down our throats that I think we truly hunger and thirst for righteousness. And uh, so that's part of our identity. Uh, you hunger and thirst for what is right. You long to obey God and his word, despite this wicked world's system. And the blessing is you will be filled. Um, in the physical kingdom, Jesus will bring justice and righteousness. Amen. He'll rule on his uh, throne mm. and we'll be satisfied. How often are we not satisfied on this earth? That's right. Because <laughs> uh, we hunger and thirst, but it's like sometimes where's the justice? Where's, where's, the justice? where's what's yeah. right happening? But um. We seek those things, and one day it will be shown. Mm. Uh, Jesus goes on to say, blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. So your kingdom identity. Once again, make this personal. This is you, the listener, Mm. as a Christian. Are you merciful? Mm -hmm. You forgive those who hurt you and pray for your enemies. Your blessing is 
you will be shown mercy. So in the future kingdom, God will show his mercy and goodness because you expressed his mercy to others. Jesus so often was moved because of compassion and is the idea of mercy here in the feeding of people, in the healing of people. And we will one day receive his comfort uh, in, in the eternal state, you know, starting with the kingdom. And you just have to look so forward to righteousness and there's justice, but there will be mercy shown to us who need it as well. Yeah. And I kind of think this all ties in with judge not lest you be judged. Kind of the idea you show mercy, <laughs> God extends it to you. Exactly. If you're super, super harsh on others, you'll be harsher on and you make a great point there because I think the controlling verse for the Sermon on the Mount is over in 520 because Jesus is talking about the scribes and Pharisees and unless your righteousness exceeds theirs, yeah. the self-righteous <laughs> people. So you make a great point. Yeah. I agree. So, And showing mercy is not easy because people do not always receive your mercy. Mm -hmm. um, you can show it. You can show kindness. You can show forgiveness. But people don't have to accept it. Exactly. Our point is just like God. God shows mercy to the human race. Mm. Uh, he sent his son, his son died. Uh, many will reject that, mm -hmm. but mm -hmm. it is still always offered. Right. Um, then we come down to verse eight. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Mm. All right. So that is your kingdom identity number six. You are pure in your heart. Uh, this is talking about your inner self. Mm -hmm. I always try to communicate this with the young adults. I even preached a sermon, I think twice at church over the years. Mm -hmm. And it's your inner self. Who you truly are should seek to please God. Your motives are pure. Um, you're doing it for the right reason. You're not motivated by greed or fame or um, that you're the next top talked about thing. You do it because you love God. And what's your blessing? You will see God. Um, I think obviously there's implications now that you can see God in the sense that you understand more clearly who he is, mm -hmm. but in the physical kingdom, you will literally get to see God That's face right. to face because we'll have a new body that can handle that. <laughs> then it says in verse nine, blessed are the peacemakers for they will be called sons of God. So identity number seven, you are a peacemaker. Now, Sometimes I've heard people say this is like the UN type of stuff. Mm -hmm. You know, you're brokering peace between everyone. But I think more in this context is you help men make peace with God by giving them the gospel and leading them to salvation. Maybe there is some peace brokering going on, but I really think it's more the spiritual that you're making peace between God and man. So I get no tie-dye shirt with the <laughs> peace symbol on it today. <laughs> so, and, and what is the blessing for yeah. these people who, you know, tell others about the Lord and yeah. people come to faith? Uh, your blessing is you'll be called sons of God. In the future kingdom, you'll be honored with this title because you followed God's will and salt peace. Now, obviously, among the brethren, among church, even Paul says those outside the church, we do try to make peace best we can. Yeah. Um, obviously, if certain issues arise, we have to address them. But we try to be peacemakers. But I, I believe this is much more in a salvation context. I couldn't agree with you more. I think of uh, Paul attached to the Roman soldier. Mm. Uh, Ephesians 6.15 is that our feet are to be shod with the preparation of the gospel yeah. of peace. There's something that happens in our lives too, let's be honest, when we lead someone to the Lord, but more importantly in theirs, because now they're justified by faith. And what do they have? Peace with God. 
so this is such an important calling for us because that's what the uh, the twelve will be sent out to uh -huh. do is to be ultimate peacemaker, uh, reconciled uh, people need to be uh -huh. reconciled to God. So blessed are the peacemakers. And then we come to verse ten. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, mm -hmm. for the kingdom of heaven is theirs. So kingdom identity number eight is a little different from nine, as we'll see. Mm -hmm. This is your persecuted for doing good. So this in particular is you're just trying to do what is right in God's eyes, and you're persecuted. Big uh, applications. We see a lot of people, you know, at work, mm -hmm. asked to do unethical things teach things, endorse things that are immoral. And uh, you might be persecuted because you say, that's wrong. You know, I can't endorse this. So um, the kingdom of heaven is there. So mm. you're persecuted for doing good. You do good no matter the cost. And your blessing is the kingdom of heaven belongs to you, kingdom of God. Uh, this fits hand in hand with those who mourn. Mm. You'll inherit the future kingdom. Mm -hmm. So because when you're persecuted, you probably do mourn some. <laughs> And then we come to verse 11. You are blessed when they insult you and persecute you and falsely say every kind of evil thing against you because of me. So this is more focused on your persecuted now because of Jesus, right. not just righteousness in general. Yep. Be glad and rejoice because your reward is great in heaven, hmm. for that is how they persecuted the prophets who were before you. So your kingdom identity number nine, you are persecuted and slandered because you follow Jesus. So you're willing to suffer because you identify with him. Once again, this sermon is all about our identity. Um, each of these things are saying what our identity looks like as belonging to the spiritual kingdom of God. Mm. Your blessing, you will have a great reward in heaven. So that's looking forward to who knows what. <laughs> yeah. The Bible says it's great. You know it's got to be great because Jesus knew. But uh, we have a reward in heaven. And we have repeatedly, as we are ready to transition, I see us to the next section, mm -hmm. the word blessed. And it's, yeah. it means to be marked by God's favor. Uh, people today talk about a happiness, and that deals with circumstances. If the circumstance is favorable, mm -hmm. we're happy. This is so different. We do tough things at times, but when we do, we're marked mm -hmm. by God's favor, and that's what is being portrayed here. And uh, I Christians, you will be slandered because of Jesus in many different ways, too. Yeah, yeah. Um, you will be slandered for following the words of Jesus by other so-called Christians. Um, and they'll probably hide behind their identity as Christians, hmm. maybe a false identity, to slander you mm -hmm. because you're standing up for righteousness' sake or you're standing up for what Jesus taught, and it's highly offensive. Mm. So... Um, just understand that you will be slandered, you will be mocked, but rejoice because mm -hmm. you look to the future, not the present. Now, I kind of think of this, I get this visual in my brain. Jesus just gave all those identities, mm -hmm. nine traits, and Simon, who had just left his boats along with James, John, and uh, the brothers, um, Andrew, they're, they left their old identities, and now they're being defined by Jesus. You could say redefined. Right. Um, so these traits are very important. Hmm. Now, he's going to illustrate what people who have those nine traits are like. They're going to be like salt. They're going to be like light. They're going to be like a city on a hill. They're going to be like a lamp. Mm -hmm. uh, I remember as a young man studying this passage, and I was, not that I'm an old man, but I was very confused how this all fit in, sure. where 
he's really saying, hey, you should have these nine traits. And when you ha- model these, you will become like these things. Exactly. And then it, it, the whole sermon just kind of makes sense. So he says in verse 13, and oh, we could probably go into hours of what it means to be salt, mm-hmm. according to commentators and preachers. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you get some creativity. But uh, in verse 13, you are the salt of the earth. But if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. So Jesus first identifies those who belong to the spiritual kingdom as salt. And don't read too much into it. Um, Salt influences food. It enhances and makes things better. Okay. In the same way that salt influences food, those who belong to the kingdom of God influence those around them. How? Well, Jesus already gave the ingredients on how to become the salt of the earth. You are poor in spirit. You recognize you're broken, depend on God. Now, listen, this is talking to you, Christian. Mm-hmm. You mourn over your sin. You realize the pain of your own sin and the sin of others. You mm-hmm. are humble. Mm-hmm. You control yourself and have power over your feelings, emotions. You hunger and thirst for righteousness. You long to obey God and his word. You are merciful. You forgive those who hurt you and pray for them. You are pure in heart. Your inner self seeks to please God. This is how we're salty. This is how we make a difference. You are a peacemaker. You help make peace with God. You are a, you are persecuted for doing good. You keep doing good no matter the pain. And you are insulted and persecuted because of Jesus. You are willing to suffer for identifying with Jesus. So that's how we become salt. It's actually tag your it, guys. Yeah. It's a pretty big statement. You, we are to exemplify these things, but you are, and it's emphatic in Greek, you are the salt of the earth. So guys, these are the characteristics that are to define and describe you, but you're it because, yeah. you know, he knew yeah. he's only going to be here so long. They needed to show what the nature of yeah. Jesus was like. Yeah. And they will because the, yeah. after Pentecost and so forth, the church Same. just explodes Same, in a man. good way with many Same. being saved. But Jesus gives a warning to his followers. Mm-hmm. He says, but if the salt should lose its taste, how can it be made salty? It's no longer good for anything but to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. Mm. I know I don't want nasty salt right. <laughs> on my food. Yeah. Um, in the same way, those who belong to the kingdom of God who lose their identity in Christ, what good are they? Mm. If you're a Christian, but you're living like everyone else, right. you've lost your identity. I'm not saying you lose your salvation, obviously, because um, you cannot lose your salvation. But if you're looking like the world, you're kind of looking like the Corinthians before right. they're corrected. You're living carnally. Uh, how are you impacting the world? It's like salt without any flavor. If you ignore the identity which Jesus has given you and you cling to sinful lust and passion, You become like worthless salt, which is thrown on the streets and trampled on. So my challenge is, if you belong to the spiritual kingdom of God, yet you haven't embraced your God-given identity, you will lose your influence and become like worthless salt. So Jesus is giving a warning. I see that with Christians. Some Christians are just like all their friends. They're no different. And they have no impact on anybody. There's been a pendulum effect, is the way I describe it. I'm old enough remember legalistic tendencies in uh, where I've come out of, and you would have all these rules and regulations, not necessarily based upon scripture. And you had to maintain, you know, these fundy five in order to please God. 
And so we've moved from that. And, and Jesus is dealing with some of that with the, the scribes and Pharisees. But then the pendulum has swung. And now it's really like, and I think we both talk about this a lot, anything goes. Uh, it's Matthew, the Wild West. It's the Wild West. Matthew 5, 8 says, blessed are the pure in heart. Um, without holiness, you're not going to see the Lord. So we ignore uh, so often in the Christian community uh, just um, the warnings in Scripture that are so clear about course jesting and about putting something in more in front of your eyes and listening to things. Somehow we've just, you know, uh, discarded all those things and our problem We've lost our saltiness, mm. and the world knows it because they look and go, "You're virtually no mm. different than I am." I, I want to be like you. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, I, I I couldn't agree more. Uh, restraint based on biblical principles is what we need. Yeah, exactly. um, it's very easy to make what I would call the dumb old rules. Yeah, you, know, you can't do I this guess. and this and this. You you know, in the old days, it was you couldn't walk into a theater, mm-hmm. or you know, you couldn't have this drink or this thing, or you couldn't do any of these things without explaining the reason behind those things. And then people start looking and saying, why can't I walk into theater? What if they're showing, uh, I don't know, some Peter Pan type thing. It's perverted now, but you know, if something that's wholesome, why can't I walk in and see that? So then, like you said, I think it just swung the other way. And now, um, you know, I always use the illustration. I talk to parents about cell phones. Um, it's the best way to destroy a kid is to give them a cell phone. And if you give them a cell phone, you better be checking that thing and have checks and balances. Um, I have no idea why kids think they have any right to have a cell phone and not have it totally checked out all the time. Exactly. It's this thing that, oh, you're checking up on me. It's like, what do you think God's principles are? Yeah. <laughs> They're keeping us in tow um, because we don't want to lose our saltiness. Uh, how many people? through text messaging, um, what they look at the internet, just totally lose that saltiness. So uh, Jesus is saying, watch out, mm. watch out. And then he says, you are the light of the world. A city situated on a hill cannot be hidden. Right. Uh, Jesus identifies those who belong to him in the kingdom as light. Once again, don't overthink it. It's simple analogy. Right. Uh, light is the opposite of darkness. I used illustration. If I'm sitting in a dark room and someone lights a candle, all of a sudden everyone's eyes goes to that candle. Mm -hmm. Why? Because your eyes are drawn to the light. In the same way, if you belong in the spiritual kingdom of God, you will take and apply the Beatitudes in your life and the world cannot ignore your great lights. So so Jesus draws this beautiful parallel with the city on a hill. Um, Just as your eye is drawn to light in a dark room, it's the same with the city on a hill. It stands out. It doesn't blend in. Mm. Um, you you have to see it. Mm-hmm. Um, I wrote here, you can go around the city or you can enter the city, but you cannot ignore the city. Uh, in the same way people see you because you're practicing those nine traits, you know that you stand out because you belong to the spiritual kingdom of God. They cannot avoid you or um, come into the kingdom with you. Oh, let me say that again. They can avoid you because they don't want to have interaction with you, but they cannot ignore the fact that you stand out. So you are a light. You are a city on a hill. Once again, it's simply because we're applying the principles that he taught us. Exactly. When we see, uh, I'll just touch on these quickly, a couple verses. 
in John 12, Jesus said, I have come as the light into the world so that everyone who believes in me would not remain in darkness. So once you're part of the kingdom, you're supposed to shine. First uh, John 1, 6, if we say we have fellowship with him and yet we walk in darkness, we are lying and not practicing the truth. And then we see Paul's words in Ephesians 5.11, don't participate in the fruitless works of darkness, but instead expose them. So Jesus continues, and then he's going to kind of use some comedy here. Mm -hmm. No one lights a lamp and puts it under a basket, but rather on a lampstand, and it gives light for all those who are in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so they may see your good works and give glory to your Father in heaven. So once again, a little logic mixed with humor. Uh, a lamp was created to shine in the darkness. It wasn't created to be covered up. In the same way, if you're in the spiritual kingdom of God, you should shine by applying Jesus's sermon so the world can see your good works. This results in people, uh, in your good works result in people giving glory to God. Absolutely. I love the expression and it gives light for all all mm -hmm. who are in the house. It doesn't discriminate. Mm. You know, it's for everyone. And I, I find a lot of times we're discriminating in church. We, we minister to people and shine a light to those that we like <laughs> and a certain ethnicity we like, we don't like another. It just is for all who are yeah. in the house and our light needs to shine brightly as Jesus oh. did for all. And all glory then goes to God. Amen. So a little warning here, doing good works to draw attention to yourself is sin because you are glorifying yourself. You're not being humble. You're not being meek. Doing good work out of loving devotion to God brings him glory. And uh, just really quick, I don't think I mentioned it. When we talk about the Beatitudes, that means the supreme blessings. So these are like the supreme blessings God is, uh, Jesus is giving on his followers. Uh, Jesus has a whole lot more to say. Mm. He's going to talk about lust, violence, divorce, He's just going to go through a list of things mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and uh, and how, based on these principles, we should view those things. But uh, we're going to say that for another time because mm -hmm. this is going to be quite a few podcasts. Mm -hmm. So we'll continue that uh, next time. But let's just look at some simple employment points, how we can take Jesus's words and apply them in our life today. So um, I only have one main point because I think it's pretty clear, mm -hmm. Jesus identifies his followers. I think that's honestly what the Sermon on the Mount is. Um, he gives identity to those who follow him. Because if, if you're coming to him, and especially later in the church age, they all got cut off from synagogue. They all got cursed. And uh, they all, especially then, needed to know their identity. And mm. Jesus truly identifies them. So he identifies what his followers look like in the spiritual kingdom of God. Mm. So think about yourself, listener, once again, yeah. and ask yourself, are you poor in spirit? Do you mourn over sin? Are you humble? Mm. Do you hunger and thirst for righteousness? Are you merciful? Are you pure in heart? Are you a peacemaker? Are you persecuted for doing good? Are you insulted because of Jesus? Then. We get into your applications. Are you like the salt of the earth? Uh, by applying Jesus's words, do you influence all those around you? Are you the light of the world? Once again, by applying Jesus's words, you stand out in a lost world. And are you a city on the hill? You're a witness that cannot be ignored. 
That's our identity. A question I need to ask myself, two questions actually, how have I taken the words of Jesus and applied them in my life? Mm. Um, when I'm thinking through these podcasts, I write out a lot and then it gets edited down because mm-hmm. we want to be here like two, three hours. Sure. And uh, one thing we had our young people do was to memorize the Beatitudes. Mm-hmm. And then I encouraged them to memorize uh, the rest. But I, as I said on Sunday at church, sometimes I feel like people keep looking for deeper things of God. Mm-hmm. They're looking for the latest trend. They get on YouTube and they just look for all the latest issues yeah. where sometimes we just need to come back to these elementary things mm-hmm. and saying, are we following the simple things? Am I still doing what I should be doing? Am I loving God with all my heart and loving my neighbor as myself? Mm-hmm. And also, are we practicing this? Um, and if we're doing those things, we can move on. But sometimes we need to come back to the simple things. Mm-hmm. And then, am I salt and light? Do I impact those around me for the kingdom of God? And then uh, thoughts we should have. Is it clear to the world that I am a follower of Jesus Christ? Um, not because you wear a necklace or something, but simply because people can look at your character mm-hmm. because you have these nine traits. If not, what can I do to change my life? Just start applying. <laughs> I'll answer that yeah. one. Have I embraced Jesus's words and applied them in my life or am I all talk? Um, so some hard-hitting words, but Jesus's words are hard-hitting. Uh, any comments you want to make before we finish up? I know for me personally, I've, I've memori- memorized the blessed section. Uh, that was important to me because I simply want, as you do, to be salt and to be light. And if we are contemplating and then personalizing and internalizing these things, we are going to become that. And then God blesses our lives and we can bear fruit as we're called to bear fruit. Well, why don't you say the Christian life is all about application? It doesn't matter what you know. No, I'm not not hating on yeah. learning. Uh-uh. Yeah. <laughs> learning is vital. Yeah. Um, and we should be growing and we should be researching things. Sure. And it should all be based out of God's word. But at the same time, we have to throw all that out if we are not applying what we have already learned. Because what good is new knowledge if old knowledge isn't being applied? So um, this is the first part. And we have uh, quite a few more parts to go in this sermon. But uh, to me, it's it really makes me think. I really hope you enjoyed listening to this mm-hmm. podcast. If you do, um, if you're on YouTube, please leave a comment, uh, just mm-hmm. something encouraging. If it's something nasty, <laughs> write us a message, all right? <laughs> so, because uh, uh, vulgar language will be removed. Right. And uh, But uh, seriously, if you uh, have anything you want to share with us, please do. And uh, that was Podcast 21, the Sermon on the Mount, the Beatitudes, Salt and Light from Matthew 5, uh, 1 through 16. If you haven't, uh, subscribe to our YouTube channel. That really helps us out, know who you are. And also take some time and you can subscribe to Apple Podcasts too. So when these things are posted, it goes, you know, it just notifies your phone. And also if you go to ColemanRanderBibleChurch.com, the church we both pastor at, um, it has all of this is updated each week with um, all the information from sermons, Bible studies. And uh, I know we're excited. You have your new Ephesians book coming out. Yeah. And we're going to be doing a new Bible study format um, online. So a lot of good things happening. So yeah. uh, we'll see you next time.